From WUSC-FM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Kendall Smith. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. This is Politically Inclined from WUSC News. Coming up on this week's show, we are joined by South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. We'll discuss vaccine passports, the border, and how they could both affect you. Plus, polarization is at an all-time... listening to Politically Inclined from WUSC News. Today we had the opportunity to sit down with the only female congresswoman here in South Carolina, Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace is the first female graduate from the Citadel as well. She is over District 1, which includes most of the low country from Charleston to Hilton Head. Mace is a Republican that outseated Joe Cunningham in the 2020 election. Let's take a listen. You know, I want to get started with your interesting background because you have such an intriguing story. You are the only female congresswoman right now from the state of South Carolina. You were the first female to graduate from the Citadel in 1999. But before that, you dropped out of high school and you worked at the Waffle House. So kind of take me through your background and what you've endured throughout your life and kind of how that shaped you into the political leader that you are today. Right. I'm as surprised as anybody that I'm here in Congress today because I never thought I'd be alive at the age of 43, let alone be a member of Congress and working here for the people. And I had I had some very challenging times as a teenager, and I learned some very tough lessons during those very tough times. And I learned about the value of hard work. When I dropped out of school, my parents said you're not going to go to school, then you've got to go to work. And that's when I took that job as a waitress at the Waffle House on the side of the interstate exit 203 on I-26 when you're coming into Charleston. And, um, you know, the remarkable thing about being at a Waffle House is, um, you know, the community that it brings together and teaches great life skills, work skills, but also meeting people in the community from, uh, from family that meet, you know, someone who's getting off their night shift and, uh, it's open on Christmas days, and we saw recently, even during the uh, ice crisis in Texas many weeks ago, that Waffle House was one of the few places people could get sustenance during that time, during an emergency. And so if you know Waffle House is shut down, we are in a bad, bad economic state. And so um, I love it. It's got some of the best coffee $2 can buy, um, but also the, the work ethic and values that you learn there are pretty, pretty, pretty great, too. Yeah, that's incredible. And you know, you talk about when you were younger, something that I wanted to talk to you about is something I experienced when I was younger. And I went to Washington, D.C. and had the chance to meet Senator Olympia Snow right before she exited politics due to what she said was, quote, an atmosphere of polarization in my way or the highway ideologies. So why do you think things are like this in Washington? What are you doing to create more bipartisan efforts? And even within the GOP, there can be a little bit of a divide at times. So how do you deal with that as a new voice of the GOP? GOP, as you say. Right. Well, the, you know, both parties have fissures, right? They, they are fractured. We've got far left and far right that say and do things that are extremely detrimental to bringing people together. And when there's crisis, we should be uniting, not dividing our nation. And so there are certainly many Republicans and Democrats that do want to work together, but the powers that be have determined that that's not okay right now. And so we have a real lack of leadership up here. We have a lack of common sense as well, I will tell you. Um, But, you know, for me, and I've said this over and over again, but I will work with anyone who will work 
with me. I literally work with anyone who will work with me. And I think that's an important message to carry today is that this country needs leadership. We need to unify. And we're not going to agree on 80% of the things, maybe even 90% of the things, but where where's that 10%? where we can find some unity and work together. And we've, we've been told that we're gonna be bipartisan on, on COVID relief, that we were gonna be bipartisan on infrastructure. And those things just never came to fruition. So I can tell you being a freshman in the minority, it is very, very discouraging to see that, but I haven't lost hope. There is a bipartisan effort to create uh, an alternate infrastructure package, for example, that would do more for traditional infrastructure and transportation needs because the current the current bill as it's being presented is really half of it 50 percent of it is is green new deal um, the left the far left is trying to redefine traditional roads and bridges and transportation infrastructure as human infrastructure and you know as a mom i care about school lunches too but that shouldn't be in a roads bill so um you know those are things that we're, we're challenged by right now and it's it's finding those who are willing to sort of say no to leadership and do what's right for our country. And those are the people I'm, I, I hope to work with. Another hot topic right now would be what's going on at the border, especially um, about coming to almost that 100th day in office for President Biden. Um, it's made major headlines during this um, part of President Biden's um, administration. So it's been called, quote, a catastrophe. What is your opinion on what's going on down there right now? Well, it's nothing short of a humanitarian crisis right now and uh, a human trafficking crisis as well. I mean, you've seen the videos of toddlers being tossed over the wall at our southern border. Uh, this is a very dire situation. Uh, Republicans and Democrats need to come together to, to address this challenge. We have a president who in his first 100 days has encouraged this crisis at the border. We have a vice president who's supposed to be in charge of this crisis and 25 days into her, her role in that she has yet or maybe it's 26 days now she has yet to visit the border instead was going to an ice cream shop in california um, unfortunately neither the president or vice president have made it a priority to see actually what's going on down there now i would be remiss if i didn't acknowledge that this is a problem this is uh this is out of control right now but this border problem has been a problem of our country's for decades now. And so it is accumulated. And uh, I think that the president's rhetoric encouraged this to happen. Um, people thought that if they got here in the first 100 days that they would get amnesty by President Biden. And so we need to incentivize and encourage legal immigration, not legal immigration. We need to follow our laws, not break them. And so, um, you know, we need to acknowledge that there is a problem. But again, the polarization that we see here today um, is just it's not happening, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of other hot topics right now, the COVID-19 vaccine. You recently got your COVID-19 vaccine. You're encouraging others to do so as well. But you also recently penned a letter to South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster, along with another letter to President Biden, along with about two dozen lawmakers to prohibit vaccine passports. And on top of that, you wrote an op-ed when fear threatens freedom for the Washington Examiner. So kind of tell me, why do you so strongly oppose these vaccine passports? Well, whenever we have a crisis, a massive crisis in this country, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It could be Republicans or Democrats. There's always a tendency to strip away our freedoms. And it's just one by one. And at some point, it's, it's very hard to turn back. It's very hard. Once your freedom is taken away, it's very hard to get it back. You almost, it's almost impossible to. And so we know that there was talk about doing vaccine passports. 
earlier this year and the administration backed off because we pushed back so hard against it. We've got to protect people's medical privacy. There are HIPAA laws and people should be able to keep their uh, medical procedures and vaccinations private. Um, that shouldn't be something that the government tracks. They shouldn't be, be, be tracking that information, particularly when you're just trying to do day-to-day -day activities, domestic activities, domestic travel, going to the grocery store, walking to a restaurant. Um, we want to make sure, you know, this country was was created and founded on on, on freedom and, and liberty. Because the minute they're taken away, they're gone forever. Yeah, and something, Congresswoman, you are a conservationist. You even have it in your Twitter bio. You are passionate about this subject of offshore drilling, especially because of your constituents here in Charleston. Um, you've said Charleston residents, quote, have too much to lose and too little to gain from any push to drill off our coast. Why is offshore drilling such an important effort of yours? Well, tourism overall for the state of South Carolina is an over $24 billion industry. And in Charleston and the low country alone, it's just over $10 billion to our economy. And so when you look at um, the way that our economy has grown over the last many, many decades, um, protecting our environment protects our way of life, protects our jobs, protects our economy um, and economic development. Because people come to Charleston and the low country because of the, the landscapes, the beauty, the clean oceans, the clean air, um, and, and for no other reason, our wildlife and the great people that are there, why wouldn't you want to come visit? And so we want to make sure that we protect our tourism industry, and the best way we can do that is by protecting our environment as well. It's a win-win it's a situation for everybody, but also it's a good example when you look at our economic activity over the years and the way that the market is driven that demand. You don't need the government demanding it. We've done it on our own because it, 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 it is the, uh, it's paramount to our livelihood. Congresswoman Mace, our final question for you today. You know, Lydia and I are both college students and we find often that college students say, we don't care about politics. It doesn't matter to us. We don't wanna involve ourselves. What is your message to those students? Why should people of our age care about politics and why does it matter to them? What's happening in this country right now will affect your future. If you don't see it now, um, you will see it in the decades. It will affect your children and your grandchildren, not just mine, but yours too. And so we really encourage people to, to read everything they, they can, do research. Don't just listen to one news network or one news outlet, because oftentimes you're only getting one side of the story. But to look at both sides and, and try to look at it from a, a, a nondescript sort of non-discriminative lens so you can see what's actually happening. Um, if the government can get away with it, it will. And it's, a, it's incumbent upon future generations to pay attention because um, it, it's going to mean more to your, your freedom, your way of life, your, your ability to um, have a job and earn a great uh, salary and income and be an entrepreneur um, in the future and raise your family in the greatest country in the world. And we want to make sure we continue to be so, not just for my generation, but yours too. Well, Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us today on Politically Inclined. We really appreciate it. Thank you and have a great afternoon. Bye, guys. That was South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. We'll be right back.
again, that was South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace on Politically Inclined. And Lydia, we talked about so many things in that interview from the border to infrastructure to polarization in Washington, D.C., all the way to vaccine passports. So much was discussed. But what I think we really want to get into now on Politically Inclined is the infrastructure that Nancy Mace brought up. A lot going on in Washington, D.C. right now. Two sides of the aisle fighting over this new infrastructure plan that Joe Biden has for the United States. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, a little bit more about it. It's a two trillion dollar infrastructure plan that was introduced on Capitol Hill recently. What she mentioned about it um, was just the amount that's going to be spent on human infrastructure versus that infrastructure that you would see in roads and bridges and all of that. The infrastructure that is traditional infrastructure, which she believes and what the right believes um, is what should be on the bill. That is spent about $750 million of the $2 trillion bill. The rest being stuff, as she quoted, Green New Deal Uh, more of what they are calling on the left human infrastructure. And according to Yahoo News earlier today, Joe Biden says he is open to a compromise and he wants to work on a bipartisan effort for this infrastructure bill. But like Congresswoman Mace did say, a lot of Republicans and people on the right are speaking out and saying, no, this bill has too many other nooks and crannies within it that don't specifically focus on that traditional infrastructure, whether that's roads or bridges. That's the argument from the right. Now, the left is saying we need to focus on things like climate change. We want to push this Green New Deal initiative. That's why these things are placed in Biden's infrastructure bill. So certainly a lot to go over in Washington, D.C. regarding this bill. We talked about bipartisan efforts and just the amount of polarization that we are currently seeing in the United States political climate at this time. Lydia, I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a compromise on this bill. We'll have to see because it's always a big ordeal when there needs to be bipartisan efforts in Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. We talked about that with her today. Um, You know, she hasn't been in Washington for very long. You know, she outseated Joe Cunningham, which we've talked about weeks ago um, when we talked, well, almost a year, it feels like, um, since the general election where all of that was going about. Um, Some highlights of just Nancy Mace. I know you are um, a big, you've written her book. You know a lot about her. Um, Tell us a little bit more just about her as a person. I think there's some notable characteristics there. Yeah, so like we talked about uh, Nancy Mace, you know, I read her book a long while back before she got into politics as she is the first female graduate of the Citadel here in South Carolina. So it does hit close to home uh, for a lot of our students here at the University of South Carolina who are from the Charleston area. Um, She is the only female congresswoman right now representing the state of South Carolina. So definitely an interesting background on her behalf. But right now, being a freshman member of Congress, Uh, There's a lot going on. You know, a new president of the United States, a new vice president of the United States. She's in the House minority right now as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has the majority uh, with the Democrats. So certainly a lot going on up there. And, uh, you know, Nancy Mace does have a very interesting background, as you said. For sure. For sure. And that is all that we have for Politically Inclined this week. Make sure to tune in each Monday at 6 for a discussion on the biggest political news. Politically Inclined is a production by WUSC News and is produced by Chelsea Bynes and Flynn Snyder. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at WUSC underscore news and on Twitter at WUSC News. The music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can go find other news shows in WUSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. WUSC News in Columbia, I'm Kendall Smith.
Lemonade Media Blackstone. We'll see you next year.